Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is an evidence-based podcast that looks into paranormal occurrences that happen here in the United States. I'm your host, Michelle, and I am a skeptic by nature, but I do want to be a believer. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and really open to the possibilities of what might be out there. So join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I'll present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports, and we will see where the two meet. So join me as always in exposing the paranormal. This week I'm going to be covering the paranormal reports of the Witch's Castle in Portland, Oregon. The Witch's Castle. That name has quite the creepy ring to it, right? But if you want to be less creepy, it is also called the Stone House. Though most people, especially locals, refer to it as Witch's Castle. Let's delve into this episode and find out why. If you visit Forest Park in Portland, you should be up for some great outdoor activities. This is a huge green area covering over 5,200 acres. And it's a really short drive from downtown Portland, making it a favorite getaway spot for tourists and locals alike. And one of the favorite pastimes for visitors is enjoying a hike in the park. And it's perfect for this as there are over 80 miles of trails running through Forest Park. These trails can be enjoyed by foot, bicycle, and some of them are even horse friendly. One particular trail in Forest Park is the 30 mile long Wildwood Trail. If you want to experience the outdoors, get your cardio in for the day, and check out a haunted location, A hike to Witch's Castle is the perfect activity for you. Now, you might be whining a little bit, as I would, if somebody said, hey, go take a 30-mile hike for the day. But luckily, you don't need to cover 30 miles to find the Witch's Castle. Once you park in the parking lot, it's a half-mile walk to your haunted destination on the Wildwood Trail. Now, keep in mind, this is a dirt trail, not paved, but it is pretty flat and easy to traverse from what I read, making it pretty great for most hiking levels. And in addition to a cool destination of the Witch's Castle, it's a beautiful hike as well, as there is a creek running alongside the trail. There is also a stunning waterfall as you cross a bridge to the Witch's Castle. So sounds like a pretty idyllic hike to me. There are trail markers which do guide you to Witch's Castle, but remember it is known as the Stone House, so the trail markers will be pointing you to the Stone House, not Witch's Castle. Once you get to your destination, you will be in for quite a treat. The Witch's Castle is a two-story stone structure. You can see beautiful arched doorways and stone stairs leading to the building and within the building. Now, the roof is gone 
as the material is said to have rotted away long ago, but it is still beautiful. It is set in the beautiful backdrop of the woods and there's moss growing on it, making it look almost like a fairy tale like Hobbit house. Sadly though, you will notice tons of graffiti on the structure as teens regularly vandalize this place. Now, the Park Service does try to keep up with washing it off, but it's basically a losing battle. If you'd like to see pictures of this historic stone structure, I will be posting pictures on Instagram and Facebook, so make sure you check them out. Now, you know how to get to Witch's Castle, but what is the Witch's Castle, and why is it allegedly haunted? The story begins in the 1850s with a man by the name of Danform Bulk. He was one of the Americans who traveled the Oregon Trail heading west. If you want a little more information on the Oregon Trail and another haunted location, make sure you check out episode one of season one where I cover the Stricker Ranch, which is fun fact, the only original building left standing on the Oregon Trail. So if you haven't heard it, I would definitely give it a listen. But moving back to Danforn Bulk. He and his family arrived in Oregon around the year 1850. He and his family homesteaded 640 acres of forest in what is now Forest Park in Portland. When they got there, the area was not settled at all. It was a densely forested area full of wildlife the family wouldn't have been familiar with, such as grizzly bear and wolves. He and his family had quite the job to get this ready to live in, and they couldn't do it alone. So they hired a local man named Mortimer Stump to help them make the property livable for the family. Mortimer helped them clear the area of trees and vegetation and eventually helped them build their home. The home we now know today as Witch's Castle. The Bulk family was grateful to Mortimer for all he had done for them. He had worked tirelessly for months and months and had done so without much in the way of pay. As the Bulk family wasn't rich by any means. Mortimer had only meant to stay for a short period of time since the family could only afford him for a few weeks. They paid Mortimer what they could, but during the weeks he was with them, he became fast friends with the family. He decided to stay on as what they couldn't pay in money, they paid in friendship and hot cooked meals. By the time the home was completed, Mortimer felt more like a family member than a friend. And because of this, they asked Mortimer to stay and move in with them, which he readily accepted the invitation. Things were great, even in tight quarters. And when I say tight quarters, that might be an understatement. The Bulk family had nine children, which with the adults left nine people living in a small two-story structure. And while this can lead to tension among family, it can also lead to family and friends forming tighter bonds. This is what was going on with the Balk family and Mortimer. 
Mortimer and the eldest daughter of the family named Anna started spending a considerable amount of time together. As he was teaching her all about the area, including the forests, the rivers, and the local wildlife. But over time, their friendship blossomed into something that neither one of them expected, and the two fell deeply in love with each other. But they didn't make it public knowledge. They kept it to themselves and courted entirely in private. Though eventually, as their relationship progressed, they wanted to get married and be able to start a family. Now, in the 1850s, it was highly customary to ask the father's permission for his daughter's hand in marriage. So that's what Mortimer decided he wanted to do. He approached Danford Balk and asked him for permission to marry Anna. Mortimer wasn't worried as the family loved him as one of their own, but boy was he wrong. Danford Balk was caught entirely off guard. He had no idea they had a relationship at all. He became irate that Mortimer had been courting his daughter behind everyone's back. He proceeded to tell Mortimer that he wasn't good enough to marry his daughter Anna and that he was no longer welcome in the bulk home. Not only that, he told Mortimer that he was no longer to have anything to do with his family, especially Anna. And if Mortimer attempted to keep seeing Anna or try to marry her behind his back, Danford told Mortimer that he would kill him. As you can imagine, this broke both Mortimer and Anna's hearts as they were separated for the first time in years. Poor Mortimer lost both his family and the love of his life in one foul swoop. But true love doesn't die easily. The couple found ways to see each other again and decided they couldn't be apart and they wanted to elope so that they could be together forever. In 1858, Anna and Mortimer traveled about 19 miles to Vancouver, Washington, where they got married. After their marriage, they had to return to Portland so that they could gather their belongings. They didn't think it would be too big an issue, as they know people would be upset, but with them being married now, the family would have to accept Mortimer and eventually start rebuilding the bonds of that relationship. But that's not exactly how things went. The couple was a little wary of going back as they knew Anna's father was very upset with them still. But they were married now and the family would eventually come to accept Mortimer and then they could build the family bonds again, right? Well, that's not exactly how things went. When the newlyweds got to Portland and delivered the news of their nuptials, Anna's father was beside himself with rage. Danford and Mortimer engaged in a pretty heated argument, which ended up with Danford shooting and killing Anna's husband, Mortimer. Poor Anna had no time to celebrate being married to the love of her life. She had to watch her own father shoot her husband and watch him die in front of her eyes. I mean, this poor girl had to be beside herself. 
There were also many witnesses to the murder, so authorities quickly arrested Danford Ball. Danford's testimony leads us to the part of the story where the witch comes in. When asked why he had murdered Mortimer, Danford claimed he didn't want to do it, but the problem was he had been put under a spell by his wife. The judge and jury weighed this in but didn't believe Danford's accusation and believed he did it because Mortimer went against his wishes and married his daughter. So Danford Balk was found guilty and executed by hanging. Which a strange fact is Danford was actually the first legal hanging execution in the state of Oregon. After Danford's death, his family was left to carry on without him, and Anna, having nowhere else to go, continued to stay on here at the house as well. Danford's wife, the one accused of witchcraft, is why the home is referred to as the witch's castle. It is stated that she lived here till she died, which may be why she continues to haunt the property, whether she was a witch or not. It is also said the ghosts of Mortimer and Danford still roam the grounds and the structures of the property. You may be wondering what hikers say they experience here at the structure. Well, it's quite a lot, so here we go. One thing people hear are toilets flushing. Though oddly, there are no toilets to flush, as First off, there were no flushing toilets when the Balk family lived here, and any toilets that flushed were removed from the park long, long ago. So it's strange to think people are hearing phantom toilets flushing, especially as the spirits haunting here would not have even known about access to modern things like a flushing toilet or even running water. Another claim is the sounds in the woods, such as footsteps and rustling in the leaves, which is pretty creepy, but this is the woods, so we might be able to chalk this up to animals such as squirrels, birds, and other deer. And also something to think about is many of those reports are teenagers here at night, you're hearing things in the woods, you're already on high alert, so that might be something going on there. But the other sounds are not explained away so easily. Screams can be heard echoing through the property at night. And could these be the screams of Anna watching her husband murdered in cold blood by her father? Maybe they are the screams of Mortimer as he was shot and killed. Or maybe it's the screams of witnesses replaying in a residual haunting. It could be none of these. It could be all of them, a combination of them. I'm not sure, as no one seems to say the sex of the voice that they heard screaming. Strangely, visitors have claimed to hear children whispering, though I'm not sure why, as I couldn't find any reports of a child passing away here on the homestead. Tons of EBP sessions have been conducted here at the Witch's Castle, and they state that they allegedly have gotten great audio proof. I will post some links on social media for you to listen to and see what you think. 
Hearing things is one thing, but people also get pretty specific feelings here as well, and they aren't good ones. There is a general feeling of unease when at the witch's castle, which some say is downright uncomfortable or even scary. Could this feeling be because people are familiar with the story, or maybe they are getting a sense of what the spirits are feeling? But now for the creepiest part of the hauntings, and that is what people see. The most reported sightings are everyone's favorite. Orbs, orbs, and more orbs. They are sometimes flickering, sometimes solid, though are most noted to be around the house and not in the woods. Are they spirits, dust, bugs? That's for you to decide. Full-blown apparitions have been spotted in and around the structure. The apparitions are usually seen floating near the building, and many times it seems as if they are fighting. Are Danford and Mortimer maybe locked in a fight for all eternity? If so, that sounds like an awful afterlife. Neither side ever getting what they want and being angry forever. It is thought that Mortimer stays here as his beloved Anna lived here after he died. So he would want to remain with her in spirit if he couldn't in body. He also spent years clearing this land, building a home here, and living here. He was tied in life and now in death, with the new tie of wanting revenge against his murderer. Danford himself is said to be haunting here due to his family and emotional ties to the property, but it is also thought that he guards the property from the spirit of Mortimer. Quite the sordid tale, right? But now let's dive a little deeper into the history to show how the historical facts line up with these haunted tales. It gets pretty good, so get ready for some juicy details. But first, it's time for a podcast recommendation from one of my fellow BooPod Network friends. If you enjoy true crime and spooky tales, You'll love the Great Boot Pod Network podcasts. This week's recommendation is The Activity Continues. Amy and Megan are wonderful hosts with some great content. And here is their trailer. There's some crazy going on out here. Hello. This is Amy. And this is Megan. And this is The Activity Continues podcast. Each week, we dissect an episode of the TV show, The Dead Files. Like, sort of was in a trance-like state, woke up, came to, and was spinning a knife. Oh my god! (laughs) We also talk about other TV shows, movies, and podcasts, paranormal and otherwise. Really good um, podcast. I really like them. They... They're really fun, and they do a really good job of covering their cases. They do lots of research, so... Yep, yep. We've both had paranormal experiences through our lives and continue to do so. So we talk about those things, too. So I have to tell you about... I had this weird thing happen that was like... I call it like a glitch in the Matrix. You have a lot of Matrix glitches. I do have... I do. 
and we also share listener paranormal stories. But that was my experience at Villisca. Join us as we talk about true crime, paranormal, and other creepy shit. Mix up a cocktail. Or a mocktail. Don't worry, Steve's driving. Sometimes that wine cream just hits the spot. I know. Sometimes it does. (laughs) Hop in the caddy and join us for a wild ride when the the activity activity continues. continues. I got pretty excited. (laughs) (laughs) Call to arms. Form our cult. Yeah. We'll gossip (laughs) and drink and talk about ghosts. I'm in. I hope you enjoyed the trailer. If you did, make sure you give their full episodes a listen. Afterwards, don't forget to rate and review them as it's wonderful to get feedback and really helps the show. And while you're at it, if you haven't already done so, make sure you rate and review this podcast as well. I'd really appreciate it. Now, let's get back to the story. First off, don't get too bummed out with the first news I give you as this story gets pretty murky and pretty spooky. The witch's castle dates back to the 1930s, not the 1800s when the Balk family homesteaded in Oregon. In 1929, the Bureau of Parks hired an architect to design and build the structure now known as the witch's castle, though it wasn't ever used as a home. It was designed as public restrooms, a storage room, and a park pavilion for guests to use for picnics and parties. So what it was designed for was the use and enjoyment of guests to the park. The structure was completed in 1935 and was called the McClay Park Shelter. It was enjoyed by visitors for decades until the year 1962. That year, a major storm hit the Portland area and ended up damaging the water lines that ran from the structure, making it so that the restrooms were unable to be used. The city looked into repairing the water line and other damage to the structure, but the sum of it was pretty high, and because of this cost of having to fix it and then maintain the property, the city ultimately decided it wasn't worth it to fund the repairs and fix it. The park went ahead and ended up dismantling the building, actually taking off the roof, removing the toilet, and things like that. Since the building was stone and not made of wood, it has withstood the weather and the years, though because everything was removed, that's why it doesn't have the roof and things like that. So this is the true story of what this building was. Its history has been lost over the years to tales of legends passed down over the decades. It's actually thought that teens renamed the structure Witch's Castle due to it looking so old and haunted. Through the years, it's become a place where people were dared to go, where teens drank and partied as a rite of passage, and things like that. Little did they realize that these kids were just partying in an old abandoned bathroom. Not as creepy and rebellious as they might think. So, this must all just be a local legend, right? Well, let's pump the brakes on it because this is not totally debunked. The home the Bulk family lived in was primitive and was demolished long ago. And while the structure called the Witch's Castle is not the home of the Balk family, 
that doesn't rule out the hauntings altogether. The stone structure is on land homesteaded by the Bulk family, so it is not out of the realm of possibility that spirits of the family remain here as their home is gone. Records do indicate the original home of the Bulk family was not far from where Witch's Castle is today. Now this covers the history of the structure itself, but what of the history of the Bulks and Mortimer? Well, much of the story I told you earlier in the episode is true, but it didn't go exactly as in the popular legend. Mortimer Stump's family owned the land that was next to the land claimed by the Bulk family. The two families apparently did not like each other, though I'm not going to dive into the details of their feud. Just think of it like the Hatfield and the McCoys or the Montagues and the Capulets. There are various reports of how Mortimer was involved with the Bulk family, but I know for a fact that he did not live with the Bulks at any time, and though there are many reports stating he was a hired hand, he was definitely not friendly with the family. I mean, he was part of the enemy family, though not in Anna's eyes. She did fall in love with him, and he with her. But they knew their love was forbidden, so they did keep their courting hidden. And when they wanted to marry, they did not ask permission as they knew 100% that it would not be granted. One day, Mortimer snuck Anna away and they fled to Vancouver, Washington, just across the river. Then after their marriage, Anna actually moved in with Mortimer and his family and the couple lived there for a few weeks. In the meantime, Danford heard of the elopement and he was depressed and infuriated at the same time. He stayed home drinking and raging, and when he wasn't at home, he was at the local pubs. In a letter written by Bulk, he stated, quote, The night I came home and found the girl gone, it struck a pain to my heart, like a knife cutting me. It seemed as if my stomach would burst from anxiety and grief, which were more than I can express, end quote. Two weeks after their elopement, the couple and a few family members on Mortimer's side returned to Portland, Oregon via the ferry. They did not come there to reconnect with family, but to pick up some items they needed in town. While they arrived, Danford was actually in town at a local bar getting shit-faced. When he heard rumors that the couple was in town, he headed out to face the newlyweds. The newlyweds had finished running their errands and were boarding the ferry when Danford caught up with them. In a fit of drunken rage, he staggered onto the ferry and fired both rounds of his shotgun into Mortimer, killing him. So a little different as Mortimer was not killed on the homestead and was not really tied to the property itself, so I'm not sure why he would want to haunt there. You might think, though, it's because he'd want to be with Anna. Well, Anna didn't return to Portland. She actually attended her father's hanging with Mortimer's family and did not shed a single tear. 
She then went on to live with Mortimer's family in Washington. So it seems as though Mortimer might actually be tied to another location after his death, such as the ferry, maybe his home in Vancouver with Anna. I just don't foresee him wanting to haunt the property of the man who killed him. And what about Danford? Well, he was hung in town, so he definitely didn't die on property, but he surely would have had emotional ties to the property as he owned it, he lived here for years, and his family was there. Which is why maybe he chose to return in death for some of those reasons. After Danford's death, his wife, the supposed witch, became friendly with a man named John Confer. She ended up selling the family land to him and then went about marrying him. They turned around and sold the land for a huge profit and then they moved away. So the wife didn't die here, so it's likely her spirit would not be haunting here either as she lived most of her life elsewhere. And why would Danford stay here watching his wife make a family with someone else? watching his land be sold, but maybe he came back and then he couldn't leave. I don't know, but it gives you quite a lot of food for thought. What do you think about the structure? Is it haunted or just a long legend based on a lot of facts? That's for you to decide. Is Danford here, Mortimer, the witch? Was there a witch? Would you be willing to walk the grounds and enter the structure? And then ask yourself, would you do it after dark? Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday for a new and exciting spooky episode. If you aren't already, follow this podcast wherever you tune in so you're ready when a new episode drops weekly every Wednesday. You can also follow the podcast social media for more information on each episode, including pictures, links, and much, much more, including the EVP links and pictures I'll be posting of the site this week. You can check me out on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed, on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, or you can shoot an email over to ParanormalExposedPodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next Wednesday.